bro, grasp your situation. What is truly going on? And take full responsibility. From there, realize the problem, realize the pain, realize the pleasure. What if I did change? Three is O, overcome, create a plan. You're here, you want to get here. How can you overcome that? What is your plan? And W is win. Get an accountability partner. Take action. Make a massive impact. And go win in the world. This is Upbeat with Beatboxer, musician, speaker, and show host, Parker K. All right, what's up? It's Parker with Upbeats, and I'm joined today with Braden Belknap. How are you doing, man? Doing so good, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. Just to catch the audience up real quick, you and I met, I guess, not even in person yet, but like on LinkedIn or something at first, right? Or Instagram? Yeah, we connected via LinkedIn, and then we just started it off from there. Yeah. And he's been just so everyone knows Braden's been a huge help to me in my life. Um, He is an inspiring life coach, has his program, The Prosperous Life, that um, I started doing with him like six months ago. I don't even remember, but it's been a few months and uh, it's been really, really helpful. So I was honored to, to have him here on the show and that he would be willing to carve out that time for us. Absolutely. We're here to make some magic, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, and you've got some wisdom um, and we can just kind of jump into your story. I don't like just generally be like, tell me about you, but maybe start specifically when you were younger, like little Brayden, you know, your parents. I know that you have a story of divorce, which I also have that story, you know, of parents getting divorced. Maybe start from there and tell us how you were able to kind of cope through that. Absolutely. So starting off from the beginning, man, I, I'm 24 years old. It feels like I've lived forever. I don't know why, but maybe it's just that I'm an old soul. So taking it from the beginning, I, me and my siblings grew up as best friends. I, I was born into a world where I, was, I had an older brother and I saw the world as perfect. I lived in this perfect world where nothing could ever go wrong. In my childhood home that I lived for the majority of the time, we had a three-story beautiful house, amazing basketball court in the backyard, and my playroom was almost the size of my house that I have now. At that time, we traveled. I didn't worry about food. It was such a beautiful world. I really didn't think anything could go wrong. And then one day, I'm upstairs playing video games. My siblings are in the other room laughing, having a good time. And then my mom calls us downstairs. And it's almost as if when I walked into this room, I knew what was already going on just from the vibe in the room. And then my mom says, your father and I are getting a divorce. And at that time, I'm pretty small. So I feel like I under know what that meant, but I wasn't very clear. My sister's like, well, what does that mean? And that's where my mom and my dad both clarified to my sister, which I heard what that meant. That just created three main limiting beliefs immediately. I was not aware of these three limiting beliefs immediately. It's obviously taken some time to become aware of them. It's always clearer when we look back. <laughs> exactly. It's It would be nice to have that moving forward in life, right? Like I need to do all of these things to get to this point. Anyways, those three main limiting beliefs was one, that love is not real. Because up until this point, 
I saw a mom and dad that didn't fight. Me and my siblings argued, sure, but really we had an amazing family. Two, you never know what, what's real and what's fake. And the reason being for that is because I thought everything was perfect once again. How are we being separated as a family if everything was perfect? And three, authenticity is not a real thing. I thought all of this was real. What is real? Who am I? Who are they? Was this just a facade? It created a lot of confusion for me as a little kid. You know, it sounds like immediately like reality was shattered for you and it has like this base of distrust. Like if all of that that I loved so much was fake at the end of the day, how can I ever trust anything is real again? So that's pretty. How old were you when that happened? Did you say that? I want to say I was around 11 years old. I, yeah, was, just, so I was just about to go into seventh grade. At that age, what did you do to like cope with that? Because obviously now we're older looking back. This is these are the three limiting beliefs that I had to go through. And but what did you do at that age to get through it? At that time, I didn't cope. It was as if I just stuffed it down, whatever. Like this is a bunch of bull crap. I kind of had a mindset that was very victimy, you could say. When I transitioned to seventh grade and my parents moved into two different houses, I started doing drugs by the age of 12, 13 years old. I started smoking weed and drinking alcohol almost on a daily basis. To the point at the worst times, I was smoking weed a minimum of three times a day. That's how I coped. I went from being victim-y to getting in the wrong friend group and being an asshole. <laughs> I, I was a bully. I became a bully. I became a victim and I became a victim to life. I started doing drugs at 13 because I didn't want to feel my own emotions. And that allowed me because everybody else is being bad to me because all of this bad crap's happening to me. I can be an asshole to people. And that was beyond the truth. That was not okay. I lost a lot of friends because of the person that I became. I became somebody that I wasn't happy looking at in the mirror. So after some time, I started evolving to stilling, to more and more drugs, to hanging out with even worse people. And I'm going to clarify here, worse people, they really are actually not bad people. They just chose different behaviors that were not appropriate, if that makes sense. Now, after about two years of coping in the inefficient ways that were very toxic, I started to look at my friends that have committed suicide. Some people ended up in juvie or prison. And this started making me question where I was headed. Because they say the closest people, your five people that you're closest to, you're going to end up just like them. So I was headed to either six feet in the ground and or jail at the end of the day. That's where I was headed. That was my future, unless I made a change. So I started to wanted to change, but I didn't know how. So this caused a lot of anxiety, a lot of frustration, a lot of depression, because I was acting in the accordance of my past self when I wanted to be somebody different. To fast forward this story, long story short, and you can ask me more details, Parker, if you'd like. I was sitting in my basement, super high, super drunk, 
uh, with all my friends and I heard a voice saying, go to the bathroom, go to the bathroom. And it was very prominent, but it wasn't a friend in my room. It was a voice. I go to the bathroom, I shut the door and a light, when I say a light came over me, genuinely a light came over me and immediately I was sober. And an angel visited me and the the words, the angel spoke, either you will change and make a major impact or you will die before you graduate high school. Time slowed down. It stopped. And that's the moment that I looked myself in the eyes in the mirror. And it's that's the first time that I saw my true self. Like, this is who I am. I'm not any of this behaviors that I've done. I'm not the bad things that I've done. I'm not this sinner. I do not identify as a sinner. We all sin. Sure. I was just sinning multiple times every day. <laughs> right. And I walked out and I had full faith. I, people find that very scary, but I had a lot of peace with that because it validated that I was a good person. God saw me who, for who I was and that I was capable more. I love that. Were, were you a, uh like religious and spiritual before that moment or was this kind of a thing that came out of nowhere and you just now you know having experienced that it's undeniable you know you have to accept that that happened <laughs> so th at this point i would have considered my family spiritual i was never raised where we prayed at dinner prayed in the morning prayed at night uh we didn't pre practice Christian or Buddhism, any religion with a title. What I was taught is the person, be a good person, you'll be okay. What you give out to the world comes back to you. Just general spiritual teachings. So no, not at all. I believed in another side. I believed in another life, but I was not religious. Yeah, that's super powerful though. So what was next? You know, were you almost even a little bit scared? Like, if I don't shape up, I'm going to die. Like, I was just told I'm going to die before high, before I graduate high school. And um, seeing your true self, what did that look like? Was that just kind of seeing almost like a future you, like what you're capable of? After this, everything got worse for me emotionally. Because now I really had confirmation I could be more. But at that age, I didn't feel safe. Hey, mom, you know, I'm doing drugs all day. I'm selling drugs here and there. So at this point, I I didn't feel safe talking to other people. There was definitely other resources. And my mom definitely would have dropped everything to help me or my dad. But I didn't feel safe talking to anybody. So I dealt with it alone. My depression, my anxiety, frustrations, I would cry often in the shower. I know that doesn't sound like a very manly thing to say, but it's the truth. I was dealing with a lot of emotions. I was confused. It's at this point that I'm going through ninth grade. I'm still sticking with the same friends, doing the same behavior, smoking weed, all the things still consistently. It was ninth grade, uh, last day of ninth grade. That day I walked in, I heard that same voice. I don't know if it was the same angel or voice you could say it. But I would like to think so. But that voice came to mind and said, this is your last day to change. The deep feeling that if I walk into high school being the same person, I would never change after that. So that day, end of day, we said, hey, see you tomorrow. See you later to all my friends. And 
that day I decided to hop off all social media, practically deleted all my contacts that weren't serving me. And I picked up my first book. I started listening to podcasts. I started listening to searching up YouTube videos and I changed my life around. I don't regret anything I've done. I take it with me. It's all gold into my life now. I hold it to my heart dearly. I remember it. And I speak my story to show people that they're not alone. They can do anything that they want to, whether that's changing the drugs they're doing or something they're addicted to, to wanting to create a life that they really desire. You're not alone and you really can do anything that you want to set your mind to. Love that. That's super inspiring. And I think it's cool too that you're self that you're excited about that you're potentially you know it all is kind of centered around impact specifically and helping more people i'm noticing kind of a common theme in just my life and in the people that i know who are doing great things and succeeding all of them went through hell and then found a way to use that that they went through as power in their story and then having a desire to help more people. It's not really about them anymore. It's about helping more people. And so that's very evident in your story, but I guess what are some, what are some tips for people who maybe are in the hell right now or are going through hell or even for us, when we go through hell in the future, good reminders for us to keep in mind. Um, what are some tips to, I guess, feel more confident in, in the bad and sharing our story? To transform anything takes four steps. And I'm going to actually share a methodology that I've created. Grow. Grasp your situation. What is truly going on? And take full responsibility. I could have kept being a victim. It's my mom's fault that I'm on drugs or my dad's or the divorce. Or because I moved multiple times and never really had a home that I'm doing these drugs and hanging out with these people. No. I am doing drugs. I don't like it. I'm stealing. I don't like it. I feel like I'm an evil person. I don't like that. I know that's not true. Take full responsibility and grasp the situation of what you're doing. From there, realize the problem. R is the R and grow. Realize the problem. Realize the pain. The pain that I was going through was the depression and the anxiety was the result of doing the drugs and being the person that I wasn't. But what pain was I also causing my family? Well, my sister probably didn't feel safe because my brother was out at college at this point. If her brother is doing drugs and all this stuff, I don't know whether she knew or not. But the fact is her brother's not very stable, right? I'm not doing good things. My mom and dad are working multiple jobs, worried about their son. My mom literally moved houses. We lived in a hotel for a couple weeks so that she could transition me into a different environment. Look at the pain that you're causing these people around you that you love and hold dearly to your heart. But realize the pleasure. What if I did change? What if you changed? What pleasure are you going to experience? Three is, oh, overcome. Create a plan. You're here. You want to get here. 
How can you overcome that? What is your plan? And W is win. Get an accountability partner. Take action. Make a massive impact. And go win in the world. If you follow those four steps of grow in any situation, you really take the time to dissect that you can transform anything. Yeah. And I love that W is win because I think sometimes we get so caught up in all of our wrong, (laughs) you know, but we need to remember to celebrate our wins, even if it's a little thing and it can be matched to wherever you are right now. You know, if getting out of bed, even just to keep going is your struggle right now, then Getting out of bed and making your bed is a huge win for you if that's something you're struggling with, right? Um, saving money, saving $10 more than you did the last paycheck, you know, it's a win. <laughs> like we got to remember when we do these things, we need to celebrate ourselves for doing those things and actually having those little wins and little moments to to celebrate and feel proud of yourself for doing doing what you need to be doing and for improving and for growing I think it's a really awesome kind of uh, four-step four-step reminder, and it's easy to remember. You know the word "grow." I think that is super cool. So thanks for sharing that with the upbeat listeners. <laughs> Absolutely, we uh, the small wins are important. We can't we can't go one to one hundred real quick. That's why most New Year's resolutions fail. If you if you're listening, just raise your hand even if you feel awkward with somebody seeing you raise your hand if you've quit on a new year's resolution that's okay we're all here my dogs my dogs are raising (laughs) their hands too i mean that i feel like everyone has to have had that moment where they fail at something at at a new year's resolution i mean it's so engraved in us too (laughs) absolutely so just start small remember the really only way to truly fail is to quit so if there's somewhere you want to go to, take a step at a time and celebrate every single step. Love it. Awesome. Well, thanks, man. And then in your story too, just to kind of jump back into, into that, I wanted to ask you what brought you hope? Was it the like the angel visitation? Was it the voice in your head? What was it that gave you enough hope to hold on and to get to the point where you started growing and actually making the changes. I know this sounds so cliche, but it's true to me in every aspect is just knowing. It's the knowing that there was something more. Faith, you could say, that there was more for me. I genuinely saw where I was going and I didn't like the person that I was already to who I could become. So just the faith that I could potentially be more and then knowing it was possible is what kept me going. I don't, I I assume based upon all the podcasts, I can bring God aspects into this. Is that fair? Yes. In fact, that's a big kind of pivot for me with this relaunch of Upbeat. I want God and good values and level-headed people who keep it real you know that's what i want on the podcast because i think that's the message that we all need absolutely so i'm going to share something on here that i've actually not talked about online or even i don't even think i put it in my book (laughs) well i feel honored (laughs) 
You heard it here first. <laughs> so I had a lot of faith and hope, and it's what kept me going. But in the transition from ninth grade going into 10th grade, so high or middle school to high school, that's the that's the couple months that I really started to change. I've never felt so attacked by the other side. So I genuinely felt like I I was so close to becoming a pure dark soul. What I mean by that is I felt very empty inside, evil. It's not it's not a good thing to still. It's not a good thing to do a lot of bad things, right? When I started to change, I genuinely feel like there were demons following me all the time. I remember vividly me and my cousins. We were all playing hide and hide and seek outside when it was really dark. I was terrified to hide by myself because I felt like there was something following me. It's almost like the devil was like grasping at me. Like, absolutely not. You're not going to change. You're not going to go make this impact. I'm going to take you down six feet under because we can't have another person like you in this world or the world's going to be a better place. Always. There was just something following me. I genuinely felt like it had me at the neck. But the hope, the faith, the belief that there was another side and that there was something stronger than this adversary that was trying to take me down is what got me through. Because the truth of the matter is, it would have been so easy to go right back. But the pleasure outweighed the pain every single day. Thanks so much for sharing that, man. And I think it's, I think you're not alone in that either. I feel like there's, we all face demons, you know, you might be a little bit more like spiritually in tune and like you could feel like almost from a spiritual realm, what was happening, you know? Um, But I think every day those demons are there fighting to take us down, you know, and every day it's a battle that we have to overcome. And even like personally, like we, I feel like even though we have guardian angels, we also have guardian demons. Like we have our own personal demons that are after us to get through what you've gotten through and to be where you are today is a huge, huge accomplishment. And you are helping so many people, especially with your uh, prosperous life podcast. You do individual coaching and stuff too, but um, I know that you're making a huge impact and it wouldn't be happening if that, you know, or those demons were successful. Absolutely. Gotta knock them down, right? <laughs> Gotta knock them down. But you know what? I learned, I went to Salt Lake City a few months ago and uh, went to that big event, the Limitless event. Um with all those big speakers, Gary Vee, Ed Milet, all of the speakers in some way or another said, you have to get to know your demons better than they know you and better than you know yourself. Because it's knowing them and facing them that helps you beat them in a competition, let's say, you know? Um, It's like knowing your opponent, (laughs) what plays they're going to do, you know? Um, So... I think there's a real power in in just what you said and even just the phrase, you know, knock them down. We have to know them to knock them down and we have to believe in ourselves enough to do it. Absolutely. Amen to that.
<laughs> Amen to that. Well, thanks for getting kind of deep with with us and sharing your story so vulnerably on the the podcast. Um, I do kind of want to pivot if the if there's not anything else to talk about in that realm, I kind of want to pivot to some more like tactical stuff and social media and all that, but I don't want to jump the gun if you had more to share or something I didn't pick out. You you got the whole story. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, I do just want to, you know, let the listeners know that you are pursuing that kind of coaching uh, career of helping people and having impact and, you know, writing books, doing your podcast, speaking, coaching. Um, what has that been like for you? And also, you know, feel free to, to plug what it is you do too and tell people where to go. It's been a journey, man. Because I've been pro coaching professionally for the last two years. I started with one-on-one -on -one coaching, pivoted into starting a podcast. And then from there, I pivoted to starting a group coaching where I could help more on a mass and large scale. And it's been fun. I mean, I feel like I've just scratched the surface, though. So I feel like we're just getting started. I feel like I'm just barely starting to reach my true power, my true impact, and being able to move somebody from A to Z really quickly. Um, as long as they dedicate themselves, you can you can give somebody a million dollars, but if they don't take it, it's on them, right? I know that I have billions and billions of dollars worth of value that I can offer people. It's a world's choice now to say yes. I want to change my life. As far as where you can find me, Braden Belknap. Uh, you can see that on the screen, obviously. <laughs> or it's B-R-A-I-D-E-N-B-E-L-N-A-P. Uh, just at Braden Belknap anywhere, whether that's Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Uh, you can find me there. Awesome. And you've got the website domain too, right? BradenBelknap.com. Yep. BradenBelknap.com. If you are an upbeat listener, then you will also enjoy the Prosperous Life podcast that he does. And both of us, you know, we're trying our best to post <laughs> clips of the podcast on social media. So follow us there. I, I want to kind of nip this in the bud. Being a life coach is got kind of a weird stigma these days. Uh, you know, people think it's, you know, more more so than not really masculine men or whatever will say like it's just fluff it's stupid that's all dumb you know but then also it's become such a rising thing more and more people are becoming life coaches and so i'm just wondering with the kind of negative stigma on being a life coach how do you i guess face that and respond to that and um i guess disprove that because it while people may, might say it's cheesy, it really does help and we all need it in our lives. So two things that come to mind. One, the light always, you can never dim a light in darkness. So there's a lot of coaches, but the real ones really shine through. Two, people can smell bullshit a mile away. That's true. So <laughs> it, if you're really looking for a coach or you want to listen to a podcast, you want to look up people on YouTube, do your research. Because if you're really trying to change your life, you don't want to just listen to the person that's still going through all their crap. I mean, sure, we all go through crap. I'm not going to say I don't. But I'm not going to teach you how to get through it while I'm going through it. So do your research. Who has had a successful podcasting? 
Are you going to a coach that has just posted three podcasts and then quit? Are you going to people that have read books? Who has the credentials behind them? And go to them. Love that. Yeah, and I feel like I could boil it down into one word, and that is intentions. You know, and along with what you said, people can smell bull a mile away. Like, um, you got to be mindful of that. Like when you're working with someone, collaborating with someone, it's about intentions and if they're in it for them and getting a quick buck off of you, or if there's someone who, you know, is really actually genuinely going to help you and is doing it because they want to help you and not for other reasons. Um, and that's with anything, right? Like with podcasting, I've faced a lot of that where, I know people that they want to start a podcast, so they get the first free things and it's and it's really crappy equipment, really crappy recommendations just because people are making a buck off of it and putting all the mainstream stuff out there online that's easy for people to see first. Um, see, like you said, they got to do their research and get the stuff that would actually work <laughs> for their situation. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, well, and, it, and Life Coach, I think one of the, the parts of the stigma is that it's like someone claiming to be an expert at life, but that's not the case either. It's more just like having that accountability companion. You know, if, for example, I said, you know, I'm going to go to the gym every single day for the next two weeks. And I'm the only one that said that I'm the only one that knows that, you know, it's harder for me to do that. But if I say that, and then I have a text message from Braden every day saying, Hey, did you get your butt to the gym? <laughs> you know, then it helps me along the way. So, to each their own, but is it good to have a life coach or not have a life coach? Having someone in your corner is always better. Absolutely. You always need somebody. This is the way I would I would explain any life coach. Imagine a soccer team, football team, basketball team, and then take away the coach. You could have the Michael Jordans. You could have the Steph Currys. You could have all the best players. If they're all playing at the best level, that doesn't mean that there's no mistakes being made. But since they're on the court, they don't see those mistakes. The reason you have a coach is to help with the structure and then help point out your mistakes, help point out where you're falling short. That's why the Steph Currys need a coach. The Michael Jordans need a coach because sometimes people can't see their own crap. Absolutely love that. And that's a good segue to this kind of last thing I wanted to talk with you about. And it fits with what you said too, just a second ago of actually doing what you say you're going to do, like finding a coach that walks the walk too. Uh, you are that in a very specific arena that has helped me. And that is scheduling and budgeting time. So I know that's a very actionable thing. And uh, a tactic that we can share here real quick to anyone listening that'll help them. How has, you know, allocating, budgeting, scheduling, how has that helped you and your transformation and how can it help other people? Scheduling is necessary because no matter where you're at, you can put a schedule. Google calendar is the best schedule and it's free. <laughs> you, can, you can collaborate with anybody else. It's free. People think scheduling is just for their job, right? They go in, they follow schedule, and then they go home. Then they do whatever. Now, I'm not saying you can't have fun, you can't enjoy life, you can't be sporadic. But did you schedule your reading? 
I mean, I know you've been saying that you want to do that hobby of yours for five years, but you have never made time for it. What if you scheduled it? I'm not saying you need to schedule every minute of every day. I personally do. It's the way I operate. Because when my sister calls me and says, hey, can we go to lunch? I can immediately put her on my schedule and know that we're going to make it happen. When you follow a schedule and you stick to a schedule, your life changes. You want to work out. You haven't worked out for five years. Great. Schedule an, an hour or 30 minutes or 15 minutes of working out. But get this. Your first workout could go to be just to go and walk. And then your next time that you work out for that 15 minutes, your goal is to work walk a little bit further. Your schedule is not tied to this massive goal. It's just about you showing up. Superpower in life is just showing up for yourself and for others. Um, and scheduling, I think it's a, it just goes really well with what I talk about on this podcast a lot about pursuing your passion. You know, people get so caught up in their BS nine to five, my life sucks kind of mindset. And then they never, ever even make the time, even five minutes a day, they don't make the time for the thing that they say they want to do. And then years will pass having not ever gotten started. And that honestly, I fell into a trap of that recently with this podcast. I did this podcast for almost four years. And then I got trapped in a really bad place like that for almost two years. <laughs> and then I was like, enough's enough. You know, I don't have it all together, but I need to at least be making time for this and doing this because I, I feel called to do it. And so now I schedule time for upbeat <laughs> and it's a couple hours every week here and there, you know, this out, this hour that you and I are talking right now, we both had that scheduled and made time for make a schedule, stick to the schedule and your life will change as long as Love. you schedule the right things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, schedule again. It comes back to that word intentions, right? Like having good in intentions and uh, remembering the grow acronym that you had. Could do you mind reminding everyone the G R O W? We'll kind of close out of here. Most definitely, G stands for grasp. Grasp the situation. Take full accountability. R is realize. Realize the pain that it's causing you and other people. Realize the pleasure that it's causing, it can cause you and others by transforming. O is overcome, create a plan on how to fill the gap and really transform your life in the situation. And W is win, get an accountability partner and go out and win and take action and make a big impact. Awesome. Well, Braden Belknap, everyone. And hey, man, thanks so much for being on Upbeat. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it.